Hello, everybody. So it's uh, it's funny that as part of the discussion after Mark's um, uh, presentation, that um, that uh, the idea of being able to visualise your online networks um, came up, albeit in the context of as a mechanism for surveillance and um, and being held to account. Um, it's I have been um, visualising people's um, <laughs> networks, uh, academics' networks via social media, um, but uh, not not in such a creepy way. <laughs> uh, my my goal has been more to uh, to explore um, trends in network structure with participants and how uh, the the significance of those networks um, to the academics themselves. So I started my PhD. Um, three years ago, um, and um, I'm uh, going to be finishing um, next year. And uh, so this is um, not completely fully formed, um, finalised, highly theorised work at the moment. It is um, still work in progress, so uh, there might be some, uh, it might be slightly sketchy in places, so, but hopefully it will be interesting for you. Um, so the, uh, the sort of plan for my talk is just to uh, introduce the background and rationale for this um, and then uh, I'll talk about the, the different um, types of um, data that I've collected and um, some interim conclusions. So um, I, uh, before I uh, started my PhD, I worked as a research assistant um, on various e-learning projects. So I'm sort of a, a, an educational researcher but um, when I came to select a topic for my PhD, um, I wanted, I think that the, the thing that appealed to me the most about the work that I had done uh, was the, about the sort of intersection between higher education and, and the internet and, and the World Wide Web, uh, particularly. Um, so I wanted to focus on um, academic social networking sites uh, because they sort of represent uh, an explicit um, uh, attempt to to bring sort of more um, one of the more uh, very widespread generic um, applications of, of the web, i.e., uh, Facebook for scientists, to an academic um, uh, audience. Um, but uh, the role that they actually play is less well defined. Um, and to, to what extent does Facebook for academics, is that meaningful? Um, and there is a grow, growing body of research on um, academic social networking sites, um, but they do tend to reduce um, uh, identity and, and various other measures, measures of um, uh, what it is to be an academic to what's um, easily accessible from profiles um, and focusing on just one site at a time. So uh, this is um, the classic uh, sort of definition of what constitutes a social networking site um, and uh, I've emphasised in um, the definition here uh, the, the importance of the connections, the social connections between profiles which is really what sets apart social networking sites from other types of online media such as the academic homepage. Uh, it's that ability to, to create and um, navigate through connections. 
Um, so I don't know how visible this is at the back, it's quite bright in here, um, but this is a sort of timeline of um, generic social networking sites and um, academic social networking sites. Um, so the big ones being Facebook in 2004, um, and about four years after that we have this uh, the generic sites are in blue, uh, specifically academic social networking sites are in pink and other academic services which have subsequently added social networking capabilities like, like SlideShare, that started out being able to share slides and now you can also have a profile and have followers and be following people. Um, so those are in green. Um, so there was a sort of glut of academic social networking sites came on to the market in about 2008, um, notably academia.edu and ResearchGate at that time. Um, there's been a bit of a cull recently. Um, uh, the grey boxes are um, uh, where um, academic social networking sites have been discontinued. Um, but the two major um, platforms are academia.edu and, and ResearchGate. Um, so, why, why look at networks? Um, there are two main reasons why I chose to look at, uh, at, at this particular sort of affordance of academic social networking sites. Uh, the first being that um, social network structure has been shown uh, in various settings uh, to relate to social capital. And there's, in recent years, there's been um, an increase in work in uh, this area looking specifically at um, social networking sites to see whether uh, whether the, the results translate. So um, how big uh, a, um, a network is um, affects how, how wide a pool of expertise you can draw upon if you have a problem on how widely you can um, disseminate information. Um, uh, Granovetta's classic work um, on the strength of weak ties uh, showed how um, people who are part of your your personal network but not connected to each other are the people who are the people who are who are different to the communities that you're most closely tied to can be a really valuable um, source of novel information. Um, Bert extended that to look at structural holes and the role of um, people as brokers. So a structural hole is if you're um, if you've got two sort of tight-knit communities that you're um, a part of but the communities aren't connected to each other um, in any other way then that's a structural hole and you're pro you would be uh, playing a, a role as a broker mediating information between those um, and that is something that people that's a position that people can leverage for various uh, gains um, online networks um, are a way of making uh, ties, latent ties visible where um, there might be, there's potential for a relationship that doesn't exist can be made more um, uh, easy to find potentially <coughs> by online networks um, and, and these types of effects um, do appear to translate into the network structure of social networking sites. 
Um, but I'm uh, also interested in the network of connections in terms of um, uh, being part of your online identity. Um, and this, this kind of um, relates to um, whether you're, who you choose to be, ideas of who you choose to show that you're connected to being an expression of, of identity, be it your sort of identity as an individual or as a member of a social group. And um, this is something that I um, haven't uh, developed as much yet, but hope to in the future. Um, so, these are my, uh, my research questions. Uh, the sort of overarching goal is to um, try and shed some light on um, the role that network structures on, of academics on social media platforms are defining or um, whether they're sort of preserving academic roles and relationships or doing something different, basically. Um, so uh, first off, um, there was a, the, the, the first question is to um, uh, examine this, what the network structures actually look like. Um, and then the uh, second part to, to get um, insight from participants about how they came to be, how the structures came to be um, as, as observed and their significance to their role and purpose or professional lives. Um, and the, the third question, um, uh, I, I wanted to uh, try and um, get a sense of whether, um, whether it's different according to uh, different academic positions. Um, so I've used a mixed method social network analysis approach for this. Um, which mixed method social network analysis uses it's it's a very it's fairly vague um, uh, term, but at its heart uh, involves combining aspects of classic social network analysis, i.e., drawing drawing network uh, diagrams, um, but also combining that with uh, sort of qualitative um, research because um, networks are static and um, you. Uh, a, a, a link between two nodes in a graph only tells you so much. Um, it doesn't tell you anything about the sort of social um, significance of that. Um, so, uh, how this has played out, um, I earlier, actually at the end of last year, um, I conducted an online survey um, which combined uh, look at scale items about how academics use their um, presence on um, online uh, networking sites, um, but um, and, and the types of platforms that they're part of, um, and from this, um, I used that as a as a mechanism to recruit participants for network analysis, um, and um, with a an ongoing sample of subsample of those participants, I'm carrying out interviews. Uh, I've done ten now, <laughs> but. So I'm not going to talk in much detail about the survey because um, it could take up um, quite a long time um, and I'd really like to talk more about the networks today. 
Um, but uh, some of the, the sort of um, headlines from that uh, were that academia.edu and ResearchGate um, emerged as the main academic social networking sites that academics use, um, which wasn't entirely surprising because they do have the uh, largest number of um, people signed up to them. Um, but there was quite a clear uh, disciplinary difference in terms of um, who uses which site. And this is also something that came out in the results of a big survey that Nature did um, last year, um, in that uh, academia.edu um, is much more popular with arts and humanities, um, whereas ResearchGate is much more popular with natural and physical scientists, um, and social scientists um, are sort of um, split amongst the two. Um, uh, there was a high level of agreement with the idea of a, an on, a profile as an online business card. Um, the, the items that really divided opinion um, that were really the, the most controversial were um, whether academic and personal identities are separated um, online. Um, and um, items relating to uh, uses in terms of uh, career development and finding jobs, that kind of thing, um, were valued more highly um, according to students and researchers. Um, and teaching um, items relating to using these sites to support teaching activities were more important to <laughs> academics with uh, teaching roles, perhaps not surprisingly. Um, so, um, so 526 people um, responded to the survey and um, my next step uh, was to, to um, conduct some network analysis to actually explore what our academics personal networks um, look like. Um, so I selected um, 55 um, people um, who were willing to take part um, from the survey um, across uh, four job positions and three um, disciplinary areas because I wanted to be able to uh, to, to get not, not so much to be able to um, uh, the sample isn't big enough to really generalise from, but um, I wanted to be able to have a, a range of perspectives um, present. Um, so I'm going to be using the term personal network to describe the networks that, um, that I've been looking at. And by that, um, I mean uh, an academic and everyone that, that they are following or has chosen to follow them um, on a platform and mapping any links that exist between those people um, or nodes. Um, so, for example, this is a, a, a snapshot of the bit of my, my ResearchGate profile that I would look at to, to get this information and to, uh, to map those connections. Um, so, I then um, took that information and put it into a program called um, Gephi for um, doing the social network analysis. Um, excuse me, I've found tissues. <laughs> Actually, I've just, I've got one in my hand. Sorry.
I had a tooth taken out yesterday. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to know. <laughs> so, um, for each of the participants, I um, chose to look at uh, two of their of their networks because I didn't want to just look at at, at one platform. Um, so uh, for each person, I sampled their Twitter network um, and also either their ResearchGate or Academia.edu one. Um, and that was uh, ResearchGate and Academia.edu were chosen because of the disciplinary differences. Um, and Twitter and academic social networking sites, um, I, I, I chose to have that comparison because of the different ways that um, academics use the different sites. Um, so this, these charts here are redrawn from the data from the, the nature survey that I, uh, that I mentioned earlier, which um, kindly they, uh, they published their data set online on FutureShare, which was immensely helpful. Um, so academic social networking sites um, came through in this too as being uh, more of a sort of static um, business card type usage, whereas Twitter um, is the site for uh, a lot more uh, sort of active um, <coughs> professional activities, discussing and commenting on research. Um, so, so, so I chose those those two for the contrasting. Um, uses that they represent. Um, so uh, the metrics that I used to analyse the personal networks um, included, re related basically to, to um, analysis in, in terms of the size uh, and the structure um, of the networks. Um, the size, it well, was pretty straightforward, um, number of nodes being the number of people in each network, um, in degree uh, being the number of people who are following you, out degree the number of people that you're following, um, and also the number of communities, and that was determined using the software that I've been uh, using for the analysis. Um, and characteristics relating to the structure uh, within that um, include um, the density um, between the centrality, which I'll, I'll define these in a minute uh, in more detail, uh, related to that brokerage, which relates to, to Bert's work earlier, um, clustering and the degree of reciprocity um, in the networks. Um, there's also composition um, up here which um, uh, relates to uh, the extent to which you choose to um, connect to people who are similar to you, um, but I didn't look at that here. I've sort of looked at it in a more, but not in a mathematical way, in the interviews. Um, so network size is one of the more straightforward ones, um, and there were um, interesting trends in network size. Um, uh, consistently, um, for the for the academics in the sample, anyway, um, their Twitter networks were. Um, quite a lot larger than their networks on academic social networking sites. Um, the average 
the mean average um, size of an academic social networking site network being 155 compared to 915 on Twitter. Um, and when I um, looked at this in relation to um, job positions, um, there was some interesting and significant differences um, appeared. Uh, in that um, on academic social networking sites, uh, you probably can't see that, but the, the grey nodes um, are in degree, so number of people who are following you, and the black um, uh, grey bars um, are in, show in degree, and the black bars show out degree, so number of people that you are following. And um, uh, professors um, showed the highest number of have the highest number of followers uh, on average on both platforms. Um, yet on academic social networking sites um, followed the fewest number of people. Um, PhD students have the smallest networks um, on academic social networking sites um, and researchers and lecturers uh, were sort of um, in between. Um, whereas on, for, the, for the sample on Twitter, um, yet yeah, professors still have the, the largest um, following um, but uh, they had the, were the second largest networks in terms of people that they choose to follow and PhD students um, were following uh, the, the, the most and also uh, almost had the, the greatest number of followers overall. Um, so it's quite interesting that um, uh, on academic social networking sites it sort of preserves academic hierarchy, sort of, um, uh, but we see this sort of U-shaped distribution um, in, in terms of Twitter. Um, I know that uh, um, the, the, the categories aren't necessarily perfectly um, uh, sort of progressing, um, you know, um, researcher and lecturer particularly don't necessarily, one isn't necessarily a progression from the other, but um, And in terms of the number of communities, so um, each of these clusters is what the, the software would have picked out as being um, a community based on the amount of um, connections between those particular nodes. Um, and uh, there tended to be, there, on average, there were more communities on Twitter, but not by um, very much. Um, density, network density. Um, is a, a measure between zero and one of how many of the possible connections between people possible um, actually exist. So um, 0.5, about half of the possible links would be there. Um, so this one, this one has a network density of one, um, and because every every um, link exists there, um, and Clustering, um, I don't have a diagram for, uh, but that's the extent of um, linking uh, in in terms of the the sort of density of communities. So, uh, academic social networking sites were found to have a higher density uh, than Twitter um, and higher clustering. 
So this suggests that Twitter networks are more sort of spread out and diffuse, um, whereas ac academic social networking sites um, networks are uh, more focused around sort of denser, discrete communities. Um, reciprocity uh, is the extent to which if um, uh, whether um, a, a connection works both ways if there's a so uh, this part of this network shows high reciprocity because lots of these net these people are mutually connected to each other whereas this person has um, extremely low reciprocity because lots of people are following them but they're not following anybody back and um, Again, there was higher reciprocity in academic social networking sites and lower reciprocity in Twitter. Um, um, between this centrality um, is a way of approximating the structural holes that I mentioned earlier. Um, so, it's between the centrality um, is a measure that's based on if you were taking any two nodes at random in the network and trying to find the quickest way between them, um, what's, what proportion of those paths would have to go through the person in the ego, the person in the middle of the network. Um, and um, this works as an approximation for structural holes because if you, it sort of it gives you an indication of uh, how, how well the network would fare if you took the person in the middle out. Um, so, so this one, the, this, this one shows an example of someone who had very low between the centrality because apart from these two um, odd nodes, uh, this network remains pretty much unchanged um, if they weren't there. But uh, the person here, if you take their acting as a broker between the different communities because if you take them out then they're, they're not really that connected to each other um, in their absence. Um, and while there weren't any significant differences in between the centrality across the platforms, um, there were um, some uh, interesting results about um, the type of brokerage role that um, uh, ego is playing. Um, so uh, Gordon Fernandez um, took the idea of, of the broker and these short sort of paths um, further to characterise five different brokerage types. Um, and uh, the, the colour of the nodes uh, represents different communities. Um, can you read these at the back? Yeah. Okay, um, so the two uh, key ones that um, are playing a role here are liaisons and representatives. And, um, sorry, this, is, this uh, figure's a bit, um, a bit sketchy, but um, the grey bars are for Twitter and the black bars are for academic social networking sites. And for academic social networking sites, um, the main forms of brokerage were split about equally between being representatives, so that's um, 
mediating the flow of information out of a community, um, and liaisons, um, where the broker mediates information between two communities without being part of either. Um, whereas on Twitter, um, that relationship, the liaison, um, is predominant. So, what did we learn from this? Uh, the, the academics, personal networks on academic social networking sites are generally a smaller, more dense, and more clustered around different specific communities. Um, whereas on Twitter, the networks are larger and more diffuse. Um, these examples are from someone who was approximately the uh, average-ish uh, for both for both sites. Um, um, on academic social networking sites, um, professors have much higher uh, in degree, um, but on Twitter, uh, the size of networks um, doesn't follow um, academic hierarchy quite so closely. Um, And the brokerage types um, were uh, very different on Twitter compared to academic social networking sites. And all of these results would suggest that um, academic social networking sites are serving more to preserve um, sort of offline relationships and hierarchies more than Twitter. Twitter is much more um, up for grabs. So um, to investigate this further, um, I'm carrying out interviews and case studies with participants from the network analysis and I've, I'm uh, reporting on the first nine um, so because these, these, these the themes from the network analysis are, are interesting but you can only really go so far um, without um, exploring them uh, with with the academics themselves um, so um, these are my my nine um, participants that I'll be drawing upon. Um, uh, one from Arts and Humanities, um, three social scientists so far, and um, five natural scientists, um, spanning a, a range of different job positions. And um, so I haven't fully analysed this data yet. Um, this isn't sort of um, comprehensive and exhaustive. Um, but I thought I would, um, as, a, as a preliminary um, presentation, I would um, focus on the things that are uh, not, the things that have sort of come out as fairly consistent across all interviews rather than digging into the sort of things, that are, things that are different. Um, so, uh, to begin with, um, we a key part of the interviews is um, that uh, well, I I make online versions of the network diagrams and I share those. They're interactive, so the participants can browse them. Um, I share those with the participants uh, via my website um, ahead of the interview, and to start the um, conversation off, we. 
uh, we go through, they, they talk me through the structure from their point of view. Um, so this is an example of the, the type of thing that, that we've been getting from that, these sort of annotated diagrams. And um, this, um, and so, yes, looking at, we open with looking at who they've connected to and, and, and why. Um, and this is uh, Emily's um, networks on academia.edu to the left and Twitter um, to the right. Um, and fairly consistently, we've found that academic social networking sites, the community structures are um, more likely to be defined by institutions. Um, academic social networking site networks are dominated by um, people with whom they already have uh, a working, um, often face-to-face -face relationship with. Um, they're not people who, not to a substantial extent anyway, are people that they've, um, they aspire to work with, although there does tend to be one, there's always one, uh, there does tend to be one in every, in every network that is someone that they follow because they are the, uh, uh, the sort of, um, an academic that they aspire to be like. Um, but I was quite surprised, actually, particularly with PhD students, Emily's a PhD student in um, natural sciences, um, that, that, that that kind of forming of modelling of future relationships isn't... Um, uh, I was expecting that to have um, to be more prevalent, but not so much. So, so it's almost... The network on academic social networking sites is almost... Um, we had um, Bernie Hogan's... Uh, idea of the profile as a relational self-portrait. This is almost a relational CV um, because it, it's people who they've um, worked with. It's projects that they've worked on before. Um, whereas in in Twitter um, networks, um, institutional communities um, are not present to the same extent. Um, there usually be one. Um, so that's uh, her current university. Um, but these communities, for example, are defined by her research topic or different types of people who are related to her research topic. Topics um, of interest are much more um, important um, in, in Twitter. Um, and, also, and also, you do see personal um, uh, uh, communities emerging. Um, she was from New Zealand. Um, and although um, the, the sort of personal private um, thing has, uh, has, has cropped up throughout, um, a lot of my participants have Facebook accounts, but they are fairly uniformly considered to be not anything to do with work, they're totally private. Um, the, of the people who I've interviewed so far, um, the ones who who don't consider their identities to be separated online, that's because they don't have a Facebook account. That's because they don't, they don't, they keep personal, personal off of, off of the internet altogether. Um, there, I'm getting a sense that um, for more senior academics, um, on their academic social networking sites, 
research, um, they are they do seem to be more embedded within their research topic. Um, so this is uh, the example of Frances, and she's a, a senior research fellow in economics. Um, and in her um, academia.edu network, um, her university is actually just represented by this small um, community on the side. Um, and she's much more embedded in, in different aspects of her of her sort of her research area. Um, which also makes sense because of the difference in, in degree and out degree um, that uh, a greater a much greater proportion of these links are going to be people who have chosen to follow her rather than people that she's actively following. Um, now the next couple of slides are going to have quite a lot of text on, but I wanted the voices to be able to come through. I don't know how are they readable at the back. Okay, cool. Um, so uh, the, all of the interview participants so far have um, sort of explained the network structures as being reflections of how they use the different sites for different purposes. Um, and uh, these are some um, parts of the, the data um, relating to academic social networking sites. Uh, agreement with the business card analogy was particularly um, um, high for academic social networking sites, not so much for Twitter. Um, and this was coupled with the notion of the site as a personal repository uh, of creating a niche uh, sort of sense of location for your academic identity. Um, and in some cases, the relationship—in some cases, the relationship with the home institution was alluded to. For example, Emily here, um, that um, academic homepages and institutional repositories can fulfil a similar role, but they're not going to move with you. Um, and also, the, um, the uh, in several instances, um, academics don't have free access to add things to the institutional repository. So this, uh, or, or they're, a, um, a sort of pre they're prevented from uploading certain types of output, but um, being able to have control over your academic social networking site profile um, is key. Um, the metaphor of Twitter as being like a conference coffee break um, is frequently used um, and participants are more willing to follow people who they don't know already um, on Twitter. So, uh, and, and this is where links to the, the ideas about social capital are most evident, um, in that both in terms of um, Twitter as a, as a way of activating those latent ties and finding the people who you might want to um, connect to um, but you haven't actually met um, but also um, oh, I, I think I, I couldn't fit the other quote on but um, but also in terms of building bonding social capital with people that you know or work with um, already um, and something uh, 
this is just a just a start. But um, uh, ideas relating to responsibilities as an academic and and the extent to which people feel like they're free to build their their networks um, are also coming up repeatedly. Um, and it also serves to possibly um, explain that that sort of U-shaped distribution that we saw on Twitter, where the professors and the PhD students had the had the biggest networks. Um, um, so there's sort of a, a perception that um, PhD students and professors have got the most freedom in their roles to to network and to do this kind of thing. Um, professors, because they are um, they they they're more sort of secure in their jobs, and um, but also and this this relates. Um, uh, strongly to to Antonella's work that um, there's this perception that it's it's what you do now as a PhD student to um, to build your your network it is a key part of the role um, but uh, but also um, uh, researchers people who've um, gone on to uh, recent recent postdocs. Um, uh, one of my participants particularly um, felt very constrained by a sense of that she's now not doing her research, she's working for somebody else and this is, is, is not something that um, uh, is sort of part of the remit. Um, but then others are, it, it's very much, it's, it seems to depend on the sort of um, the sort of culture of the, the project that postdocs find themselves in, whether it's actively discouraged or encouraged. Um, and also, particularly um, with my participants so far who are lecturers, um, there's, and, and this probably reflects the way that my sample was constructed. I, these, are, these are going to be the people who are more active than, um, than, than average, probably. Um, but that uh, there's also a sense for at that kind of level um, that they're taking on their departmental um, identity via social media, and it's more mediated by or, or, or tweets go via their department Twitter feed instead of um, instead of their personal ones. Um, so. That's something that I'm going to dig into in greater detail. These are, um, this is just the start <laughs> of the analysis, really. Um, so, where, where I am, where it's all at um, for now. Um, this is just really to um, to sort of um, uh, summarise uh, those what we've just talked about, the different reasons for engaging different platforms uh, manifests in the sorts of networks that they um, cultivate on, on different platforms. Um, academic social networking sites seem to reflect more uh, existing working relationships and academic hierarchies. Um, Twitter connections are more varied and serendipitous. Um, and there's growing evidence, in my opinion, that these relate to different types of social capital. Um, uh, so these are um, more <laughs> um, sort of 
where I'd like to leave it for discussion, really. Um, whether researchers are free to, to network um, and the sort of relation, changing relationships between um, researchers and social media and their institutions. Um, and um, just a couple more things. Um, one of the things that people have said um, quite often in my interviews is that they've, they've really been um, pleased to be able to look at their networks this way um, because it's not something that you can uh, really do. Um, we saw my little um, screen capture of part of my ResearchGate profile and that's, that's pretty much all that the network is on your profile. It's just a little, those little faces, those little badges of people that you might um, be interested in. But the network structure uh, isn't really um, used um, to any, to, to much extent. So there might be opportunities there to make things um, uh, more useful. Um, and uh, also Twitter and academic social networking sites, in terms of the, the sort of the big um, collection of channels that constitutes social media are you know, fairly similar, yet uh, this sort of throws them into sharp contrast with each other. So um, asking questions about academics' use of social media needs to be very nuanced because it's, it's um, yeah, individual channels um, are um, performing very, very different roles. And that's just something I wanted to underline here. Um, so I think that's me done. <laughs>